Welcome to Manufacturing Talk Radio, the only show that takes a look at the obstacles and opportunities open to small to mid-sized enterprises that manufacture here in America. Brought to you by All Metals and Forge Group, with your hosts, Tim Grady and Lou Wise. Welcome, everyone. How you doing, Tim? Well, I see you're back from uh, lovely Rio de Janeiro in Brazil. I am. I am. Uh, it's uh, two weeks of uh, not fun and games, a lot of work, but uh, it's an interesting <laughs> yeah. place nonetheless. Yeah, you were working down there. Uh, uh, Lou, tell them what you were doing in Rio. I can't tell them everything. Uh, but here, uh, I was down there for the uh, uh, Rio Oil and Gas Expo. Uh, they had uh, their annual show, and they had about 1,500 uh, exhibitors, of which about 20% of it were U.S. companies trying to export their their wares to uh, Brazil. Uh, they had 35,000 attendees. Um and uh, a very active, uh, very different kind of show than I've ex- uh, been exposed to in the past in the U.S. and uh, and Canada. Uh, a very good show, great opportunities. And uh, we did meet with the uh, U.S. Uh, consulate, the commercial services, uh, who uh, gave all kinds of uh, good information about uh, how they can help American companies, small and medium-sized companies, come to uh, Brazil, whether it's machining or oil and gas, uh, chemical mining, and so on. Um, and it was kind of interesting that uh, I, I did broadcast uh, with you down there, and mm-hmm. uh, it was interesting that uh, our other guest was uh, Linda Dempsey, Vice President of NAM, National Association of Manufacture, talking about uh, XM Bank and the reauthorization. Thank you, reauthorization of XM Bank and uh, how they can help uh, small and medium-sized companies with uh, uh, sufficient loans and guarantees and so on to do business down there. Learned a lot. It was great, and I and I think that anyone who's looking to expand their markets and go into other areas, uh, South America being a very lucrative one in spite of the economy, in spite of the politics and the election coming up, um, there's a lot of business down there. And I would highly recommend anyone who uh, wants to get involved, contact uh, XM Bank, contact NAM, uh, contact the U.S. Consulate. And I would even go as far as to say that if you want some direct uh, information, you're more than welcome to send an email to uh, live at MTR manufacture uh, MFG Talk Radio, sorry, uh, and I'll be happy to uh, respond to any of your uh, questions regarding that. So that uh, all being said, uh, Tim, why don't you take it away? Well, you know we're constantly kind of running around, nipping at the edges of the challenge that manufacturers have in finding the right people when they're sitting on some 600,000 open jobs. So we reached out to two very bright people with a group called QPS Employment Group. They're out of the Midwest, and I want to introduce them one at a time here. We'll start with the president and CEO, Scott Mayer, who started this business in his parents' basement in 1985 with 
five thousand bucks in his bank account. Talk about entrepreneurship. That's exciting. And he now has grown from one office and two employees to over 30 offices in the Midwest and a staff of 290 internal employees, handling 5,000 temporary associates. He also owns, and I'm going to have to ask him about this, Evolution Gastro Ping Pong in Milwaukee. Got to find out about the ping pong club. He's also a, a race car driver. And about the only thing I don't see on your bio, Scott, is astronaut. So uh, why don't you introduce yourself and QPS to our listeners? Good afternoon and welcome. Thanks for having us on, Lou and Tim. Yeah, the astronaut thing would be a little tough because that requires a little bit more brain than I uh, brought to the table. But it's been (laughs) a fun run, 30 years in staffing, and uh, it's gone really quickly. There's no question about it, but we've built a great company, and I'm so proud of the staff and our team We've, uh, as, as you said, we started with uh, one little tiny basement hole in the wall, if you will, and we're closing in on really 50 locations where you could stop by throughout the Midwest, five states, and uh, we're growing all the time, having a great year, and looking forward to keep moving, uh, moving the ball in the right direction. Oh, that's great. Uh, certainly, this is an area that we'll get into in a little bit. We talk about manufacturing and the trade-offs between using an employment service uh, or, or doing it yourself. And the do-it-yourself answer may not be the right answer. Um, and you have a key person in place who's Jerry Myers. She's Senior Regional Vice President for QPS. And she coaches and mentors the uh, sales staff and helps to develop uh, the people, to find the people, to place the people. Jerry, why don't you give our listeners a kind of a quick uh, overview of what you do with uh, QPS. And thanks for being on the show. Thanks for having me. I've been with QPS for 18 years, and I oversee our outside account executives as well as our professional recruiters. So between the two teams, we are always looking for customers to help fill the job openings as well as find the best candidate that's out there in the marketplace. Okay, and I was talking to both you and Scott earlier, and this this 600,000 uh, job openings. I understand one of your uh, departments or one of your divisions is absolutely flooded with requests from uh, employers looking for people. So what's, what's your take on the vacancy in uh, jobs across America right now? So when we talked about this earlier, we discussed that there is a labor shortage, whether you're talking about general labor and someone making $9 an hour, definitely into the higher-end skilled trades. So right now, um, when a when a customer is requiring a certain number of people, we have to recruit a lot more than what we had to even six months ago, eight months ago, a year ago, because the market has changed significantly. So we spend lots of time educating our customers as to how it has changed, how we can partner together to make sure that we still are able to fill the positions with the proper quality people. And that's the key is to find the quality individuals that are out there in the marketplace um, versus the ones that we prefer not to place at our client companies. Um, so, you know, lots of 
changes have to be made on the customer side to recognize that what worked a year ago isn't going to work today, whether that means um, hiring people direct hires versus the whole contract to hire, whether that means training individuals that may have 80% of what they're looking for versus 100%. So we spend lots of time discussing that with our, our customers. I can tell you, and I can put it in perspective for you, we're a little company okay. probably going to do somewhere in the neighborhood of $170 million this year in sales. And if we had the correct inventory of people, we feel that we would clearly be pushing the $200 million mark. So that uh, difficult of a challenge, finding good inventory of people, has really held our sales and our growth back this year uh, exponentially. Tell me about the uh, the millennials. I know that's the, the group coming out of uh, college these days, the kids who grew up with a digital device in their hand. Scott, um, how are they received in the in the workplace? Is that is that a difficult transition as us gray hairs uh, transition out? Yeah, it's interesting. So, you know, I've been doing this almost 30 years, and I've seen several generations come and enter the workforce, and every time there's a new generation coming in, you think differently about them. And clearly the millennials are going to be a little bit more of a challenge. They're clearly more interested in the work-life balance. They're not dumb like we are, putting in 50, 60 hours a week, living it, owning it, doing all that kind of stuff. It's different. So they're looking for more of a balance, and there is a little bit more of a, you know, I want it handed to me on a silver platter. And it's something I think that us as manufacturers will need to adapt to a little bit. But more importantly, the millennials are going to have to probably, if they want to succeed and grow in the manufacturing world, are going to have to more adapt to our environment to be successful. That makes sense. Uh, you know, we've talked to a number of people across the industry. We've talked to ThomasNet and ISM about this issue. We've talked with Dr. Stephen Melnick from Michigan State University and what they're doing and what universities across the country are doing to try to get people trained for manufacturing. And one of the interesting comments that Dr. Melnick made was a engineer going through their four-year program, by the time they graduate, two years of the information they have learned is already outdated. So that's certainly a challenge for the universities. I know that the high schools, I guess, are bringing back in shop classes and, and the trade schools are popping back up. But, Scott, this doesn't look like there's going to be a quick fix to this issue. Is that right? That is correct. This is going to be requiring a long-haul kind of a transformation. Uh, back in the old days when I was in high school, there was the welding class and the shop class and the woodworking and I think all that disappeared after me, and it really became sexy. And what was the doctrine was the teachers were saying, you're not going to be successful unless you go off to Madison, since we're Wisconsin people here, or Marquette, or Wisconsin Lutheran College, and get that four-year degree. Uh, that's what it's going to take to be successful. And as we've learned, that's not necessarily the case. A lot of people went off and got their four-year degree and ended up going and working at Starbucks or a factory where there wasn't the college required. So I think companies are starting to recognize that and 
the teachers are and the parents are, and I think the shop classes are starting to come back, and I think that the direction of vocational, apprenticeship, tech schools, the manufacturing world is starting to become more attractive, and I think people are looking at it, but it's not going to change overnight. It's really going to be probably a 10-year process before we get it fully ingrained in people's heads that manufacturing no longer is dark, dirty, and dangerous, that there's very, very good middle-class jobs waiting for you that don't require the burden of 60000 in student fees and years of time studying behind the books to be able to get that great middle-class American dream that exists out there. Yeah, I know that the perception, I think, in part is that manufacturing is uh, uh, dirty and dangerous. Uh, I know that some of the perception is it's you know, taking the, the wrench and driving the nut onto the bolt. And that's not the case anymore. Now it's uh, controlling the or managing the computer program that controls the robots that drives the nuts on the bolts and manufacturing. So it's a little higher skill set. Are, are those people people that you find and place in manufacturing plants? Absolutely. Absolutely. And just like Scott had mentioned, we even are part of a lot of organizations that we start to educate even kids that are in grade school before they even enter high school now to try to attract them more so that they can get into those skilled trade positions and make a decent living. You know, sometimes when we have some candidates, you would be surprised at their salary and their income, and they're pulling in, you know, seventy, eighty thousand, 80000 and their high school, college buddy could be coming out making $12 an hour. So those are common stories that we hear, but the hardest thing is the education piece. So we are trying to set up more tours with our customers, get kids to go through with their parents, understand that these can be some really nice manufacturing facilities and could be a great career path. Um, quality is a really hot discipline for us right now. So I can tell you stories of placing quality inspectors for $12 an hour and they get promoted to a quality supervisor, a quality manager, a director of quality. That is an absolute fabulous career path for individuals going into manufacturing. Well, it's interesting that you bring up quality because what we're experiencing talking to people around the country is that the what they call the reshoring now happening in America, jobs coming back from overseas, it tends to be the more complex part, the, the piece that requires more engineering or design work, and they're really coming back for America's quality, that our quality is known around the world as the, some of the best there is. So I'm, I'm glad to hear that. But, Jerry, what else? You're talking about in touch with a number of organizations out there, and I've always been curious, what kind of organizations are out there kind of uh, trying to solve the same problem that you've been talking to? Mm -hmm. One of the big ones that we do through our Milwaukee market here is the food and beverage, so it's all for food manufacturing, which has always been a mm -hmm. really strong industry for QPS to partner up with. And that one is, I can give you example after example, where we do even hold career uh, fairs at high schools. And then we have a bunch of manufacturing firms come, again, to attract both the students and the parents to explore this path for their kids before they even get down to the road of, do they want to go on to college or do they want to go to tech school or do they want to go right into manufacturing? So that has been a, a great organization for us to be part of. So what services does, it sounds like QPS does a lot. What services does QPS offer? Yeah, so we are truly a full-service staffing and recruiting firm. 
So when I say that, I, I mean that we can do anything, again, from the general labor production positions to your high-end skilled trades, to your office division, as well as your high-end professional positions. So we have recruiters that specialize in any of those areas. So uh, a sales rep for QPS can go into a manufacturing company, talk to their plant manager about their production needs, they go to their office manager and talk about their receptionist needs, go to their machining department, talk about their machinists, and then also hit up the director of engineering and place a lot of, like we talked about, quality engineers. Uh, manufacturing engineers is another hot one for us too. So we definitely offer a lot more than our competition. In this industry, there's lots of competitors that say they are full service mm -hmm. when they're not. So we can back it up and and definitely provide any level of employee that a company needs. Uh, this is Lou. I'd like to just throw a, a, a slightly separate, uh, separate, different, and uh, un unrelated question at you. Uh, okay. And it's open for either one or both to uh, uh, respond to. Uh, we've heard it told recently, aside from the fact that manufacturing in itself has gone from 48% of the economy down to 12%, uh, that of the 12%, the up-and-coming sector within that 12% is women-owned manufacturing companies, and that about 20% of the manufacturing companies today are women-owned, women-driven. So I have two questions regarding that. One, is that what you're finding also? And uh, two, the women-owned manufacturing companies, are they similar to the uh, the, the, the blue-collar, uh, Rust Belt-type manufacturing companies, or are they a little bit more dainty in what they're manufacturing, which might exclude themselves from the type of uh, 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 services that you could provide? Mm -hmm. I would say yes, I have noticed more women in manufacturing in those roles, but I would say that they are playing in the same sandbox. So I, I have not noticed a difference as far as the actual industry that they're participating in. That's interesting. Uh, thank you. Uh, Tim? Mm -hmm. um, in terms of the staffing firm, uh, Scott, you know, there's two paths as, a, as an employer. One is, uh, you know, you start running the ads in the local paper or monster or wherever you put them, and hopefully you get responses. And I've, I've talked to many, many employers who've gotten zero responses or they've gotten two responses. Uh, the other end of the spectrum is they run an ad and they get 700 resumes. And they go, oh, my gosh, now I've got to work through 700 resumes. Um, what's the benefit of using a staffing firm? Well, I'll tell you, first of all, let me back you up a little bit. Uh, companies okay. today, their their HR department is not really geared to do their recruiting and hiring. When you think about human resources, it's safety, it's training, it's benefits. We've got a little thing called the Affordable Care Act coming that HR has to deal with. They have so much other responsibility on their plate. The last thing that they really need or want to get to is the recruiting and hiring. And that's where turning to somebody like QPS we can take that off their plate. It's not so easy anymore to put an ad in a paper and get just the right amount of qualified people and you bring them in once and you talk to them for five minutes and they're hired and they're working the next day. Nope, that doesn't work anymore. It's a very difficult process. 
we have a lot of secret sauce, so it's not just putting the ad in the paper. We do tons of different kinds of recruiting, and for us, referrals is one of our secrets. Uh, we are big on working the referral, and that helps generate new resources of candidates for us, but that's only because the people that are doing the referrals are our employees that we're taking really good care of and treating good, and they're bringing in their friends to us. So it works for us. It might not work for other people. But it's a long process, and we really take that off human resources plate by being able to do all that screening, all that testing, all that initial legwork, background checks, and you name it. And then the beauty of if you run people through our payroll versus direct hire is it's really an opportunity to try before you buy. You know, there's people out there that aren't so good, and when you try them out through a service like QPS, you get to really see the nuts and bolts of what they are. If you like them, great. You can go on a process to hire them permanently eventually. If you don't like them, it's as easy as a phone call to our recruiter saying, bring in uh, the next set of candidates because this last one didn't look so good. So long process and lots of advantages to going through us. The other thing is when you come to us as an applicant, it's like you're applying with thousands of different companies in our region versus going one-to-one -one direct. If I just go to ABC Factory, uh, you know, you're just applying with the local whatever. Uh, by, by coming to us, you're applying with so many different companies, it's kind of a one-stop shop, gives you lots of different opportunities. So there's really benefits for the employer coming to us, and there's lots of benefits for the applicant flow to come through us too. Uh, just before we take a, a short commercial break, uh, would you mind giving our listeners your uh, URL address uh, so that uh, if they would like to contact you, they'll have that ability? Yep, it is qpsemployment.com. Just for That's curiosity, QPS means what? Quality Placement Services. Uh, thank you. Yeah, we had some original names, but they kind of all fell by the wayside, quadruple this and that. Uh, <laughs> but really, uh, probably 25 years ago, we shortened it to QPS Employment Group. Well, that's great. We're going to come back in a moment here and talk about what employers can do to address the shortage of labor. So let's take a quick commercial break. Manufacturing Talk Radio will be right back. American Crane and Equipment Corporation in Douglasville, Pennsylvania, is a leader in specialized cranes, hoists, and material handling equipment for industries including aerospace, nuclear, oil and gas, transit, construction, and waste handling. Call 877-877-6778 or visit AmericanCrane.com. That's AmericanCrane.com or 877-877-6778. When you use the Premier Rewards Gold Card from American Express, the rewards points can keep on multiplying. Buy three with triple points on airfare. Buy two with double points on gas and groceries. And a single point for pretty much every other dollar you spend on the card. Then, start choosing from over a million rewards to redeem all those points. Apply today and the annual fee for the first year is on us. Call 1-800-AXP-GOLD or visit axpgold.com. The annual fee for the card is $175. See terms, conditions, and restrictions at axpgold.com. All Metals and Forge Group is an ISO 9001 AS and EN 9100 manufacturer of open die forgings and seamless rolled rings in alloy, carbon, 
stainless and tool steels, aluminum, copper, titanium, and nickel alloys. Visit us at steelforge.com or call 800-600-9290. Welcome back to Manufacturing Talk Radio. Listeners, we are we are here with uh, Scott Mayer, President and CEO of QPS Employment Group, and Jerry Myers, who's Senior Regional Vice President of QPS. And this is really a question for both of you, but I'll throw it to you first, Jerry. Uh, what do you recommend employers do to address the shortage of labor? Mm-hmm. That is a great question. So if we start on the general labor production side, the biggest thing that we have been educating our customers on is discussing the proper pay rates that they have been paying. One of the questions many times that we discuss, we say, well, how long have you been paying, you know, $9 an hour for this unskilled position? And it's a common response that maybe it's been the last, you know, five to seven years. Well, the market has changed a lot in that time frame. So we definitely have been addressing the lower pay rates in the marketplace to try to get them to understand what the market is requiring and whether that means you're paying $10, $11 an hour for someone to be reliable and have good attendance and good attitude, that's really what it comes down to, that that changed a lot. Another area that we try to educate on is lessening the requirements. There are some customers that still may require a high school diploma or, you know, real solid work history um, maybe a a clean background check, and there may be positions that in the market as it is right now, that might be a requirement that you may want to lessen your your past requirements for that. So those are common discussions that we have. Um, On the professional side, as we talk about more of the engineering and that type of discipline, uh, we, again, will talk about the fact that if the recruiters can produce somebody that does have 80 to 90 percent of what they are looking for, then they should be interviewing those individuals that are available in the marketplace. Scott, anything that you uh, you would add to that, or maybe you want to take on the you know some of the hidden costs of recruiting that employers may not be aware of? Yeah, you wouldn't believe the amount of money that we're putting into it. And we've heard so many horror stories about companies putting in tens of thousands of dollars, having people walk up and down streets with sandwich boards trying to find that perfect person that doesn't exist. And it really, there's, you know, we got lots of little gadgets that we do and apply, but there's no real secret sauce. It's really hard work, and, you know, it's a, it's a very time uh, facet that, it takes a lot of time today to get the job done if you want to do it right, and that's, again, where we're saving employers tons of time and money by cutting through the stuff that doesn't work and really getting to the core of what does work. But as Jerry said, the biggest thing is making sure companies are up with what the correct pay rate for those particular jobs are today as well as making sure that you don't harness us or yourself by looking for stuff and background uh, issues that really maybe don't apply to this particular position and saddle us from being able to make the right fill. Mm-hmm. Well, I know from Lou's experience in the past, and mine as a as a business advisor of some 30 years, what employers often don't take into account is the cost of the wrong hire. And I don't know what the current number of the wrong hire is. Do you have any idea, Scott, 
with the wrong hire costs a company these days? I sure do, and her name is Jerry. She can <laughs> fill you in on that. I'm going to pass it over to her on that one. Yeah, they, they say the average cost at this time is around $40,000 for a wrong hire. Ouch. Yeah, so it goes back to Scott's comment. You know, at QPS here, our recruiters are interviewing day in and day out and screening day in and day out. So back to that comment of, we are going to be better at screening candidates than the customer or the HR department just because that's all we do 24-7. So I always say as much as the HR department tries to find the time to find good candidates, in all reality, we are going to have a better selection because we touch more people. So that comes down to, you know, even on our side of the table, when you make a, a bad hire, it costs a lot of money. It also takes up a lot of time and a lot of energy of your current oh, yeah. employees to help train them and get them up to speed as well. Uh, Jerry, uh, just uh, a side question. I know that you're primarily based in uh, five uh, states in the Midwest, uh, but that's in terms of the, your your clients. Uh, you do have candidates that are available. Do you do any placements out of those five uh, states, uh, East Coast, West Coast, uh, where there's uh, relocation involved and so on? Yes, absolutely. So out of our professional division, we do a lot of relocation. So the majority of customers um, do have decent relocation packages available for our candidates. And again, in order to find the proper candidate, that usually does involve a lot of relocation. So definitely not um, tied to those five states from our professional division of QPS. Yeah, if I could add, we do nationwide searches for literally every position that calls for it. Uh, There's not a state that we don't look at and try to recruit from when the position requires that type of uh, thorough searches throughout the country. And Scott, does that also mean that if the employer happens to be in Pennsylvania that you'll try to find candidates in Pennsylvania to place with the employer? Sure. First and foremost, we want to find somebody that's living in the subdivision right across the street from our friendly factory, but that doesn't always happen. But when we can try to match up, uh, we certainly do that to save the cost and the time involved with the relocation. Unfortunately, you know, there's a lot of companies that specialize in something in one state and their competition is in other states. And if you want to recruit somebody with the proper background and experience from that industry, oftentimes we do have to leave state borders. Okay. Now, just in general, because we talked to the folks from the Institute of Supply Management and we've talked to uh, people from the Department of Labor, Department of Commerce, uh, National Association of Manufacturers, and everything from their perspective is that the economy looks to be picking up and growing strong. What are you seeing in the employment world? Well, I'll tell you, we're booming, and this is typically the second half of the year is when we, as well as our manufacturing partners, tend to pick up heading into the holiday season around Christmas. We are guns a-blazing. There's not really an industry or a segment that we know that's not really busy and really starving for good candidates. Uh, Our company, we're up 
a little less than 10% sales on last year. And as I said earlier, the only reason we're not up 20% is due to lack of in inventory of proper candidates. Now, not to say we're not finding people, but we're not finding as many as we need. And if we had a greater plethora of candidates, we could service that much more business and get that many more fills, which would equate to you know, that much more higher sales. But there's not an industry that we know of right now uh, that's not really starving for people and at a really good growth state for this time of the year. I think that's consistent with everything that we're reading. I know that Kiplinger's economic uh, outlooks are all, you know, arrows pointed up, uh, GDP at 3 3.5% for quarter three and 3% uh, for quarter four and into, into 2015. Uh, so I think that that's very strong. Uh, and as long as uh, employment picks up, do you have any idea, by the way, Scott, where employment is as compared to 2007-8 before we went into the Great Recession? That's a really good question. We're fairly well in line. The difference is we've got a lot of people that fell off the radar, and they're not yet engaged in getting back in the workforce. You know, there's a lot of, uh, we got some big elections coming up in November, and there's a lot of political parties that are saying, you know, we're not where we need to be. We're not on pace to get the good numbers. Uh, again, if we could get the people that are sitting on the couch back looking, we could get them to work, and we could very much exceed uh, those levels of 2007 and 2008. And actually, I was talking to a coworker a couple days ago, and we had a really, really tough time finding people in 1999 before the big bubble and we're thinking that it's much worse than it was then a because business is doing that much better and b because there is just less available inventory less people looking now there's still so many people sitting home on the couch that have become disengaged and not wanting to get back to work there's some political issues in wisconsin where the governor is being held to task that he didn't create enough jobs uh, the thing is there are the job openings in Wisconsin that could exceed what he was proposing. The problem is we don't have the candidates to fill those positions. And really, it's mirrored across the country. But in our home state of Wisconsin, we're in a really tough position where we've got a lot of openings with a lot of manufacturers from up in Eagle River on the northern end of Wisconsin all the way down to the border with Illinois where there's people just looking. And we've got a lot of new business parks coming in around the Kenosha, Wisconsin border area. We landed Amazon and some other companies that are of bigger name like them. And they're coming and they're bringing and creating thousands of jobs over the next couple of years. And let me tell you, we're nervous down in that market as to how we're going to accommodate these companies and take care of their employment needs. But we know we're going to work hard and we're going to be innovative and we're going to come up with the people. And at the end of the day, uh, we have no excuse. We stay until we get the job done. That's period, point blank, end of story for QPS. Well, that's, that uh, certainly is, brings up a very interesting topic. And that is, you know, we hear unemployment, eh, you know, 6.1, 6. something percent. Uh, it really is, a, that's the U3 number of people actively looking for work. It's not the U6 number, which are includes those people who have become discouraged or who are underemployed, and that really is a much higher number, and I, I almost suspect that that's uh, 10 or, or something. Um, so I think that, that that's an important uh, uh, statistic to look at. Uh, do you have any idea of what... Uh, 
what youth six is these days, Scott? Yeah, you know, I'll add on to that, that our biggest competitor is sometimes the state, but more so the federal government. When mm-hmm. they're paying people to sit at home and not uh, get off the couch and go to work, and when the, the pay to stay home is comparable to going out and finding a job, it's, a, uh, it's definitely a challenge to get people to make that move. If we put steps in place, which again, I hate to pick on Wisconsin, but they're doing some stuff to put into place to make sure people are held accountable and that they're not staying home unless they've got a good reason to, and you're not going to be able to collect benefits unless you really have a compelling reason to. I think hopefully that's going to get some people re-motivated to enter the workforce. And again, if we could get all the people, and it is probably closer to 10% that's sitting home uh, accounted for and not accounted for, if we could get you know, half of these people uh, engaged and back in the workforce, it would definitely ease the burden that we're feeling. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I know that certainly there's a lot of talented people out there sitting on the couch. It's interesting. I, I had a conversation recently with a gal who runs a nonprofit called Every Woman Works. Uh, they they work with a lot of African Americans in the community sector that they're in, and she and I had a very interesting conversation. I, I almost felt like I was going to uh, offend her when I talked about welfare. And then my comment was that welfare really is an entrapment for people, and it's almost akin to uh, federal slavery, where they pay them just enough to not go to work, but they live just above or slightly below the uh, the federal poverty level, and it's a real tragedy out there. There are lots, of, I'm sure, lots of good people that we could employ, but you're right. The federal government may be our worst competitor. So that you bring up a very interesting point with that. Yeah, now, it's can, scary. It's a very scary thing, and you know, how do you ever reverse that trend uh, when people get used to getting something? Uh, it's really hard to get motivated and get back in shape physically, mentally, emotionally to have to, you know, bag a lunch and go off to work. It's a, it's a scary thing, and uh, you know, it's a tipping. It's at a tipping point where, you know, we're supporting so many people that are staying at home that uh, it's scaring me as to where it's taken our country. And I know we're not in for a big time political discussion, but. Hopefully we're going to do some stuff to try to get people working because that's what it's all about is trying to live the American dream. And how do you live that? Not by staying at home, being on the couch, by going to work and trying to grow at your job and find more to do at your job and then getting a higher pay raise and being able to buy a bigger house and having the family. I mean, it all comes back to that American dream, and you can't get it staying at home. Scott, uh, not to talk politics, but... Uh, what is it the government should be doing better than they're doing now to uh, get the people off the couch? Boy, that's a really good question. You you know, I think having more one-on-one time with, you know, federal counselors that could encourage people to not keep collecting off the system and talking to people and not just giving them a check to stay home, but trying to talk to them about how are we going to get you off this free ride and get you working again. And, you know, that goes down a whole slippery slope of what can we do? How can we do it? You know, do you have to hold people's hands? But unfortunately, sometimes the answer is yes. When you give long enough and you don't require anything in return, 
it's hard to blame people for sitting at home. You know, it's harder to get up and to get dressed and to go into work and make that lunch than it is to sit at home. But if you take away some of those motivations and if you provide people with the opportunity, when you read the paper, you think that there's so many people unemployed and there's no jobs out there. But in fact, that's really just sometimes the media not understanding the full story, that there are good good jobs that are middle class family supporting jobs out there that don't require lots and lots of background with experience. It just requires a good attitude and a work ethic and showing up Monday through Friday from the start of your shift until the shift is ended. I mean, there's a lot to that. It used to be, Scott, that they uh, to collect an unemployment check, you'd have to go down to the unemployment office. You'd have to show them uh, some paperwork as to where you went for interviews and what happened, and it made people accountable. Today, they've done away with that, and for the most part, uh, you know, they mail you your check and you lay on the couch. Uh, perhaps it's time to not so much look to go forward, but maybe we should be going backward in some regards. Yeah, I think there's plenty of things that need reforming relative to the welfare system. It just, you know, it's it was invented and intended to help people that needed help legitimately for a physical, a mental, and emotional issue. And it just, like so many things, they just get carried away, and eventually it gets ballooned out of proportion. And before you know it, you know, we're where we are today, where we've got a lot of able, able-bodied people sitting at home. And again, some of them are disenfranchised because they read the paper and don't think that there's good jobs out there, so they just stay home. But in fact, again, there's lots of great jobs, lots of great manufacturing partners that are out there looking for good people that even have just a background needed of willing to show up with a good attitude every day and put in a good eight hours work for a good eight hours pay. Uh, Scott, before we uh, break for a commercial break in a moment, uh, something you said in the beginning of the show, or maybe Tim said in the beginning of the show, about your uh, personal desire about uh, space travel. Well, while I was sitting here doing nothing, doing a radio show with you, uh, I looked up some information for you, and uh, you might want to take interest in it. It seems as though that that Branson of uh, Virgin Air who's building, I think it's called the Galactic Spaceship, uh, that will be taking people up into space. Uh, One, the dollar amount has gone down to $250,000. There is a waiting list. There's 700 people on the waiting list. But the good news is that once you sign up and you pay your deposit, you can go to space camp, and you can learn all about going into space. And I understand that they do have an experience of a weightlessness exercise or experiments that you can partake in to give you the virtual feeling of being in outer space. So if you want to contact Virgin Air, and by the way, they do accept points for Virgin Air travel against the $250,000. <laughs> so I thought I would just pass that little tidbit on to you. Well, thank you. I was stuck on thinking I had to go to Denver to take a space trip uh, at the legal cannabis store, but I guess we've got options now. <laughs> you do have an option. It'll be a lot more expensive than the cannabis. Um, in, in, in anyway, in a moment, Tim, uh, I think we have a commercial break coming up. We'll be back shortly. <laughs> Manufacturing Talk Radio will be right back. 
All metals and forge group manufactures open die forgings in blocks, hubs, shafts, flanges, cylinders, gear blanks, and custom forge shapes, including seamless rolled rings in alloy, carbon, stainless and tool steels, aluminum, nickel alloys, copper and titanium for parts and assemblies in aerospace, oil and gas exploration, defense, machinery, transportation, shipbuilding, energy and power, pulp and paper, and many other industries. Visit steelforge.com or call 800-600-9290. It's no secret that manufacturers are having trouble filling jobs. Now with ThomasNet's new job board, help is on the way. For manufacturers, thomasnetjobs.com is the go-to resource to recruit new talent. Post your jobs and get in front of thousands of potential employees. Or, if you're looking for a new job or you want to reinvent yourself, thomasnetjobs.com offers exciting opportunities from the shop floor to the C-suite in supply chain management, engineering, production, or sales. Remember, thomasnetjobs.com. Welcome back to Manufacturing Talk Radio. Well, now that we're back uh, from commercial break, uh, I want to share with our audience one other uh, group that we are enjoying working with, and that is Pat Lee with MF. Uh, I'm sorry, Manufacturing Day. That is uh, MFGDay.com. Now, when we first talked to Pat about a month ago on the show, she talked about all of these events that were going to take place on October 3rd. And to remind our listeners, on October 2nd, we have some special guests that we'll be doing a special show with. And on October 3rd, there will be events all around the country at manufacturing plants to give people an understanding, you know, prospective employers and their families, what's going on at the manufacturing plant and just how exciting some of these can be. So I would encourage anyone who is thinking of having an event to go to mfgday.com and list their events there. Now, here's the really exciting news. Since we first started talking about it, there were about 500 scheduled events. The numbers doubled. So if it isn't on that day that you have an event, doesn't matter. If it's in the month of October, that's great too. Just post your event, and it's real easy. It says host an event on the website. You can just put it in there. So there's going to be lots of opportunity for people in uh, the area to go to a manufacturing plant and see what happens today. You, know, you hear Amazon talking about drones and delivering packages by drones. Well, somebody's designing those drones and somebody's making those drones. That's what's happening in manufacturing today, some really cool stuff. So we're back with Scott Mayer, President and CEO of QPS Employment, and Jerry Myers, QPS Senior Regional Vice President, and as we come to the close of the show in a few minutes, uh, Jerry, is there anything else you'd like to share with the audience about uh, QPS or uh, the marketplace in general? Mm-hmm. Well, I was, I was happy to hear you talking about Manufacturing Day. So that's something that we have been talking about with all of our customers in the last couple of months as well to obviously promote manufacturing and to attract more candidates. So it was, it was nice to hear you say that. Um, again, uh, I guess I would go back to on the customer side, if you know, you're a manufacturing employer listening to the show, I would definitely sit back and, and look at your current pay rates that you are, are using for your employees, and I would 
look at your requirements that you have in place and probably research and really evaluate when's the last time that you looked at both of those items for that side of staffing. And then, of course, if you are a candidate um, in the marketplace, I definitely welcome you to visit qpsemployment.com and explore the many job openings that we currently have through any of our divisions available at this time. That's exciting to know that there are that many jobs out there to be had because I've talked to so many people who say, gee, you know, there are a lot of people withdrawn from the marketplace saying there aren't any good jobs out there or I'm competing with millennials. And And I have to share with you, particularly for people 45 years of age and older, uh, that's not the end of the road. There's a lot of good jobs out there right now for you that millennials don't have the skill sets to fill. So I would not necessarily discount being back in the workforce if you're a 45 or older individual. Uh, Scott, anything else you'd like to share with our audience? Well, a couple things. Number one, in Wisconsin, and I think it's just Wisconsin, it's Manufacturing Month in October, so we're gearing up. I'm on the board of Wisconsin Manufacturers and Commerce, and we've got a lot of exciting things coming in the month of October in Wisconsin, and we will welcome other states to uh, follow what we're doing and maybe learn some stuff and pick that up on your own. I think it's a great opportunity to really expose manufacturing to everybody from high school on up to uh, the 45, 50-year-old people that are looking at career changes. The other thing, you know, you're probably going to have to have us on again because we got lots that we could talk about in other areas such as immigration reform, tons of topics in that, and another little tidbit for you to maybe think about down the road is we are looking at developing our own testing and training model relative to the manufacturing, more specific to the welding world. There's a lot of people that know a little bit about welding, but not enough to go to a major manufacturer. And we're working with some manufacturers today to bring online early next year a state-of-the-art manufacturing testing and training welding center. So something we're working on, and maybe we can do some follow-up with you down the road. Other than that, you know, we're QPS, and we love taking care of our employees and our customers. We're looking at always trying to continue to grow our model and our business, and we're looking to expand and looking to keep uh, doing what we're doing and moving forward. And hopefully if you haven't worked with us, you'll consider giving us a call at 262-754-9000, otherwise qpsemployment.com. I think that next, uh, when you are getting close to the Welding School Center, uh, give us a little heads-up notice on that, and uh, we can arrange to have you on and talk more about that to uh, help promote that. I think that's a terrific uh, uh, event to uh, be sponsoring, and we'd like to help you with that. Wonderful. If it goes too good, my fees might go up, though. You just got to keep that in mind. <laughs> so you're on airtime. <laughs> you got it. Just kidding. Was well, been a pleasure. Scott, I have to ask one other thing before we close the show because you certainly have a penchant for uh, unusual names, and I have to know something about Evolution Gastro Pong. Well, the real quick story is a couple years ago, I I took a trip with my wife to New York, and we were going to go ice skating at Rockefeller Center, and we... Right before we went on, there was a little skit on CBS Sunday Morning about Spin New York. Susan Sarandon, the actress, owns a club in New York. We went there, did the ice skating thing, went and played ping pong. I fell in love with the club, 
and thought we need this in Milwaukee, the beer drinking capital of the country. And <laughs> fast forward 10 months later, we had Spin Milwaukee. We were the first franchise of the New York model. And after about five years, we had an opportunity to break away on our own. And we are now a private, locally owned uh, Evolution Gastro Pong Ping Pong Parlor in uh, downtown Milwaukee, Wisconsin, where you can come and play ping pong and Lots of big companies like Johnson Controls, Rockwell International, uh, Baird, and Northwestern Mutual. They all have their board of directors meetings. Harley-Davidson comes down and does lots of parties by us where they buy the place out. So it's just a cool, different thing other than drinking and eating. You get to have some fun and uh, get some exercise in while you're out and about. Now, there's a new twist on manufacturing. So you can play ping pong with your, uh, your corporate board members and your staff. Sounds like a lot of fun. We really want to thank you for being on the show today. We will definitely have you back. I would love to hear about some things on immigration reform. That is a big topic out there. So as we uh, close out the show here again, thank you, Jerry, for being on the show. Thanks for having us. And, Scott, thank you for being our guest. Thank you. Yeah, And we're getting a lot of tweets and FaceTime on uh, whether or not Jerry and I are married. We actually have different names. We're very close. We work very close together, but we, in fact, are not a married couple, just so you know. <laughs> Sounds like too much information for us. <laughs> <laughs> yes, yeah, so the last names are Scott, M-A-Y-E-R, and Jerry, M-E-Y-E-R-S. So for those of you listening, that's the real deal. Thank you, everyone, for listening to Manufacturing Talk Radio. And, Lou, you before we wrap up, you've got a comment? I do. I do. Uh, in about an hour from now, this sh- for those of you who only heard bits and pieces of the show, in an hour from now, it will be uh, up uh, in our ar- archive on our uh, website at mfgtalkradio.com. And uh, I highly recommend that you uh, tune in and re-listen to it. You may have heard, you may hear things that uh, you didn't hear the first time around. And uh, I think we're uh, approaching uh, a wrap, Tim. Do you have any uh, other uh, points to discuss? I think that's it. But we will be on next week again, Manufacturing Talk Radio at 1 p.m. Eastern Standard Time every Tuesday. We look forward to you listening then. Uh, Thank you, folks, and uh, have a good afternoon. Bye-bye. Thanks for joining us on Manufacturing Talk Radio. You can hear our next broadcast each Tuesday at 1 p.m. Eastern Standard Time at mfgtalkradio.com. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.